the incomparable. Number 447, February 2019. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, Jason Snell, and in this very special episode, which we were maybe going to record at Gallifrey One, the Doctor Who convention that many of the people on this uh, show go to every year, but uh, it didn't happen. It didn't happen for various reasons. People got sick. People were busy. It's a very busy time. So we're going to do it now in the aftermath, while half the panel is sick from the con crud of Gallifrey One. Uh, We're going to do the Doctor Who monster draft and you're saying to yourself jason what do you mean by monster well monster is a term that producers of doctor who always refer to as a a thing that it has to be in episodes of doctor who do i mean something broader from that could a villain is a villain a monster is a monster a villain look this is the guy who says that the dance the robot is a robot i'm gonna leave it to my (laughs) panelists to decide how they interpret what you would pick in a Doctor Who monster draft. And now I would like to introduce them to you in the order that they were selected by our friends at random.org. Thank you to them. Random.org, we select monsters randomly for you. (laughs) And the monsters are... I mean, the panelists. The panelists, that's what I mean. (laughs) Kelly Gamont (laughs) will pick first. Hi, Kelly. (laughs) Hello. I'm really excited to get to be in on this one. This is going to be fun. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to your picks. And uh, number two, Erica Ensign. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. I'm second. <laughs> yeah. 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 If it's competitive, I don't know how this is going to go. It might not be competitive at all, or it might be fiercely competitive. Uh, after Erica will be Gene McDonald. Hello. Yay. I was kind of hoping to be in the top three because I have at least three that I'm super excited to talk about. That's good. That's good. Uh, picking fourth will be Liz Miles. Oh, thank goodness. If any of you three picks my first pick, I'm going to be I'm going to be very angry. Mm-hmm. Very angry and very ill at you. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. It's not competitive at all here, obviously. No. Okay, no. maybe it, maybe it is now. I knew when we got to Liz it would be competitive <laughs> i knew at that it's point not my fault. things are going to get I serious mean, woe, bef- woe betide whoever's after liz yeah well that would that would be annette weirstra hello annette oh, yay. <laughs> oh, it's my first draft ever so oh, i don't know excellent. what i'm doing great well you'll Hooray! fit right in it's always all, all for the best um and uh boys in the back that means the last two pickers will be me i'll go last of course but right before me will be moises chuyan hi moises I uh, I feel like I have somehow inoculated myself against people sniping my picks, and uh, because I never go outside and see people, I've also inoculated myself against the death plague, uh, the curse of the fatal death <laughs> yeah. that all of these people picked up at Gallifrey One. <laughs> Reference acknowledged. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Uh, but we will begin this draft, round one, with Kelly Gamont. Kelly, tell us what Doctor Who monster you are choosing first. Okay, uh, I uh, this may be a slightly obvious pick, so I apologize in advance for all the eye rolling that is about to happen. But I'm going with the Weeping Angels because we don't really know a lot about them. We just know like what they do, and we don't know like where where they come from, what they're for, what their what their purpose is. Like we've gotten a lot of that about other villains, and we don't really know a lot about these guys, and so they freak me out a lot. I when we started, I really had this question of: are, are we going to have any of the the giant famous monsters from Doctor Who selected, or is it all going to be uh, obscure? And we'll find that out. But the one of the like really top level monsters that I knew I wanted to choose 
of all of them was the Weeping Angels because I think, uh, you know, we can debate how they how they've been used over time, but like their first two stories are. Mm-hmm spectacularly creepy and good and weird mm-hmm. and um yes. after blink i think it was a real open question about like could you really use them again or is it just going to be more of the same and uh, you know a little bit of both <laughs> People are split on that <laughs> a little bit of both <laughs> but uh, time, and the answer is yes time of the angels is uh is uh i, I like that story a lot too and it and does some different things with them oh, and some similar things with them mm-hmm. <laughs> they were great at first they were my first too I, I, I'm judging everyone who had them on their list. Damn it, people. All right. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I've got, I've got one that if no one pinches of that, you could judge me just the same okay. because it's right. almost as bad. I feel <laughs> like they, they've changed statues forever for me, though, especially angels. I exactly. look at them. I'm like, sure. I think mm-hmm. now yeah. I'm scared. Yeah. I think that's the thing about, about them that uh, f- because the end of Blink is what freaks me out about them because they start showing like it's not just mm-hmm. angels oh, and then I hate oh that part. god <laughs> yes and like that was that was the moment for me where i was like ah yeah they've changed comic conventions for me forever because there's always at least one kid dressed <laughs> as a weeping angel <laughs> oh, that is just wandering around to terrify people it's not good. I, I saw a full-size weeping angel for my like five minutes that i got to see stuff at gallifrey one last year and I was like, please don't turn around. Please don't turn around. They were checking in mm-hmm. at the hotel counter. <laughs> and I, But I did take a oh, little geez. snap of them. And people on Twitter were like, why did you take a picture? Yeah, the <laughs> image like, of an angel becomes an angel. What are you doing? Uh, God. Yeah, you don't want to take that home with you. No, it's Great no good. souvenir from Galley. It's no good. <laughs> my, my niece dresses an angel, a weeping angel that her mom made the costume when we met Arthur Darville. And he oh. laughed. Oh my so gosh. hard because her <laughs> her face kind of it melted in the construction so she was a little too smiley and not scary enough and he just looked and he laughed he's like i think this is the best weeping angel and you know he just was really great it was so good but That's she was awesome. a little less on the scary side the costume the rest of it was great but the face was a little too happy hmm. <laughs> it's smi- a happy weeping the smi- angel. the smiling it's angels the yeah the you cry angel. because you cry when you're happy sometimes right that's right mm-hmm. all right um Okay, a classic uh, or a new series monster is on the board with the Weeping Angels. I Okay, Erica is next. I'm going to predict that she's going to go back to the classic series of Doctor Who, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Erica, what what uh, who's the monster in the Rebus operation anyway? <laughs> I'm I'm Shrivenzel. <laughs> I am not going to say that's not on my list. Oh, okay. But that's not I'm mean, that's not uh, at the top of my list currently. Um Jason, I have I have many layers. I contain multitudes. It's not all <laughs> rebus operation over here. It's just mostly uh mm. rebus operation over here. Um so I, I actually I'm going to bridge both the classic series and the new series, and I'm going to go with for something that's probably way more obvious that even I thought that I would choose. But when I was thinking about it, I realized this is the the monster slash villain slash alien race that I think, for whatever reason, is closest to my heart. And that is the Santarans. I have always loved the Santarans. Ever since since I was a kid, I think the Santaran experiment was one of the first, uh, possibly the first Santaran story I saw. And it was one that I actually purchased on videotape. It actually came on a two-VHS tape set with uh, Genesis of the Daleks, Um, I think it was. And uh, and yeah, I just... They they do look like a baked potato wrapped in their foil and... Uh I think I think that in concept that was a really 
kind of genius idea of a, a race of clones because you just get to make the same costume exactly over and over again and, you know, have people with similar voices and similar heights, um, usually. I'm looking at you, <laughs> Invasion of Time. Um, mm-hmm. But... Uh, <clears throat> But yeah, I think it's it's smart from a production standpoint and um, just from a, a the standpoint of the creation of the char- the characters themselves. I think it was it was really cool this idea of just like this race of clones who are are all warriors and Robert Holmes in one just like tossed off line says something about the you know ongoing war with the Rutans. So in exactly one line, Robert Holmes creates this whole extra backstory, which is something that Robert Holmes, um, one of the greatest writers of Doctor Who, was very, very good at. And uh, and yeah, and then, um, and I know that this, th- I, I've always loved them, but then um, I listened to a Big Finish audio called The First Sontarans, and if anybody's a Sontaran fan at all, I highly, highly recommend listening to that audio, uh, because it just, it deepened my love for the Sontarans very, very much, and it was a really good story. So, Yeah. Uh, Santarans. I'm going with the Santarans. They were on my list. Mm. I would never have expected that from you. I feel like I, I feel like you've opened a whole window <laughs> into your inner life here that I didn't even know there was a window there. Liz yeah, well. feels like she never really knew you at all. Yep, <laughs> that is true. I I don't I don't quite feel betrayed, but it's getting close. Finally, we're seeing beneath the tinfoil. Oh, oh Liz, mm-hmm. wait till they get to me. Um, <laughs> you want to feel betrayed? I, I don't think it's the worst choice ever. I I agree with like maybe a quarter of it because I. <laughs> Love Time Warrior and Satire Experiment, but basically, as soon as Kevin Lindsay, who stops, who played the Sontaran yes. in those episodes, stops playing Sontarans, I'm like, ah, they're not as good as they used to be. Because I'm one of those fans. That is, I will not argue I'm, with I'm, that. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. You're one of those fans too. Excellent. We can be in our yeah. little good old, yeah. it's not as good as it used to be clubhouse. I will defend <laughs> yep. Dan Starkey with my life. So, I mean, I, I love Dan Starkey too, but there was. Yeah. Let's just say that there was a, a dip in quality, sort of in between yes. the Kevin Lindsay well, and Dan Starkey era. Here, here's the <laughs> thing about the Centaurans, right? Is that yeah, they start out strong and then they're kind of misused. Yep. Um, yep, yep. And I will say, fair, um, very fair. I, I feel like, and I know people who who are. <laughs> is this a thing, Centauran? purists or something like i feel like <laughs> sure. Stephen moffat with strax did what probably was the right thing which is to say look the centaurans are a bit silly um why don't we lean into that that they're kind of belligerent but also silly and we'll and we'll just put those two things together and i i find strax delightful i also really like the centauran experiment and those original uh, early day centaurans so that was why they were on my list too and and then there's the ones in the middle that are mm-hmm, no yeah i did have to i do have to admit i hated strax at first because he was funny and I always liked the Santarans yeah. as an actual villain, um, but I've just Dan Starkey made him so darn charming that I've sort of come yeah. around to it. And I'm in my head canon. It's like this one Santaran, he's funny, and everybody <laughs> yes. else is still scary as can be. Well, remember, he's the yeah. washed out Santaran. He's like a failure. Yes because he's not good enough at, at being a, a, a warrior because they made him a nurse, right? So he's, he's the bad Santaran. Exactly. <laughs> or yep. does that make him good? I don't know. Anyway, he's, <laughs> he's a failure. Um, and that's why he's funny. All right, Gene, it's your turn. Uh, so many monsters uh, to choose from in this world of ours. Uh, what do you choose? Uh, I, um, because my number one pick was taken, and I knew it would be if I wasn't pretty much number one, uh, Weeping Angels. I, I ranked mine and how scared they make me and i realized like <laughs> when i was going back to like check in on certain episodes that i didn't even watch episodes from the ones from the top of my list because they were so scary to me but i remedied that this morning and rewatched 
Silence in the Library, um, The Shadows That Melt the Flesh, the Vashta Narada is my pick. Mm. And, very scary. Uh, yes. They are um, very scary. And rewatching it, it was like, oh, yeah. You know, I remember that episode more for the library itself and River Song and, uh, and of course, Donna Noble, my favorite companion. Um, but Ivasha and Arata are very scary. They're a major, major part of the story. Like, what are, what are they doing there? What is really going on? And the reveal is quite creepy, too, because you love your, your creepiest Doctor Who villains, at least for me, are the ones that make you look at angel statues differently, you know, make mm-hmm. you look at potatoes mm-hmm. differently. But, uh, <laughs> uh, this one is like, a library and books are now potentially, you know, the um, method of your demise. And um, yep, they're they're invisible to us, or mostly invisible. They're really not a problem. They're all over the universe, but when they they're concentrated somewhere and can gang up on you, um, they are you know they're the piranhas of the air. Mm-hmm. And when they throw those chicken legs into the shadow and they obviously you know they they land as little picked apart bones i'm like oh so <laughs> there's many many aspects of Vashinarada that i um that scare me i also think they fit into like the subcategory of like are they really they're monsters yes but are they really villains you know they're just doing their thing mm. And had their worlds, uh, had all their trees cut down and turned into books, right? So they're, mm-hmm. right. they were wronged. That's the, I think the, the, uh, theme that we keep coming back to is that the real monsters are us. We, yes. cut, we cut down <laughs> Always. Their, their forests. Always. Also, I, Stephen Moffat is like, um, you know, most people who make little uh, mundane observations about life turn into stand-up comedians, apparently. Stephen Moffat mm-hmm. does, does the other thing where he invents whole <laughs> monsters out of them. He's literally watching uh, a sunbeam somewhere and seeing the dust in it and said, ooh, what if those were flesh-eating monsters? <laughs> Which is like, <laughs> yeah. okay, sure. That's, the, that's apparently the kind of life Stephen Moffat leads. So, but they are, they're scary. I like them. There's no actors associated no. with them, mm-hmm. of course. <laughs> no, they don't. Well, I mean, they speak through other people uh, in their little suit things that have yes, the voice. That's true. Thing, but that, that was pretty scary. Yeah. Um, and I if guess you I wear a say, conveniently polarized uh, spacesuit helmet, you can't tell whether there's a skeleton inside or not, which is yeah. also good. I, I, maybe I've been cosplaying them all along. Gallifrey <laughs> one. That's it. I was there. Okay. Uh, Vasha Narada now on the board. Liz, um, I hope you are in a yes. position to do what you uh, what you need to do here in the first round. <laughs> that sounds I, really I, ominous. I don't know what that means. I don't I, either. I, I just I figure you have a plan and now you can execute it. Well... In a way, I, I do have a plan. I feel like I should. There, there's two that I really want to get here, but it's I, I have to go with my honest and proper first choice of all the monsters. And the one I took a great deal of time thinking about this. I, I didn't because I know what my favourite is. But um, let's pretend I did. Let's mm. pretend, in fact, the last 25 years have been me thinking about what to put first in this draft. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because <laughs> no pressure, everybody else. 
the greatest <laughs> of Doctor Who monsters. It's, it's got to be a combination of things. It's got to have threat. It's got to have design aesthetic. It's got to have memorability. It's got to fill your heart with a particular warmth and love that you associate with a BBC budget in the 1970s. And this one has all of those things. And dare I say it, more. Um, my, my first choice is from The Three Doctors, which was the... <gasps> Uh, hello. <laughs> Damn it. I almost oh. picked this first just to snipe you, but I love you. Sweet Lord, so if you'd I done didn't. that, I'd have had to kill you, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, no offense. Sorry to think. I, yes. But the Nothing three personal, doctors. just Doctor Who monsters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you don't, don't take my favorites. That's just rude. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Well, I'll just, I, I changed it to the Shrivenzel, which is a terrible monster. I'm prepared to defend it for bitter fake revenge. Sorry. Um, from Three Doctors, the, the 10th anniversary episode from the Third Doctor, John Pertwee's era, um, where the Time Lord Omega invades, uh, the universe from his antimatter universe because he's a bit annoyed about having been forgotten and blasted out of the universe by the Time Lord. Somebody else took credit for his work. That's a good reason to be mad. Yeah. Yes, that is true. In which case, he should just be mad at Rassilon and stop whining about Fair. the rest of the universe. Um, but he, one of his little minion dudes that go in are the gel guards, which they <laughs> might not be named as that on screen, but that is what the world has come to know and love them as. Uh, the gel guards are, um, <clears throat> are, uh, now how do I describe them? They're, you know, they're about as tall as a person. They look like large, red, wibbly wobbly, walking jellies. Uh, they have a big giant eye in the front of them that sort of whooshes around. It's got a slight yellowish tinge. The rest of them is like lumpy red. And when they move around, they kind of go wibble, wobble, wibble, wobble, wibble, wobble, wibble, wobble. Um, but in a very serious, scary, wibbly, wobbly kind of way. And and just in case you thought you might laugh at them, they have these little like uh, hook claw things that they swoosh around and they light up and uh, stuff explodes. And it's brilliant. And then they get shot at by guns and bazookas and they don't blow up. And I know that's usual now. And we're like, oh, well, no monster response to bullets. But when you're a tiny, tiny little person watching this, you're about seven years old, you're like, oh my God, it's so scary. So I have the memory of these actually being quite scary and only sort of gradually realizing as I get older that they might just be a tiny bit ridiculous. But also, I really, really love the design. I just think it's neat and <laughs> it's adorable, but also clever and makes sense sort of and uh, it's got a superb action figure which you can put a tea light in don't leave it in too long she'll melt the plastic but it lights up and it looks really cool someone needs to get liz some of those led tea lights so that she can enjoy this yeah like endlessly (laughs) didn't you once say that is it a gel guard that will hold your pen for you while you're Mm. recording yes it will also hold a pen the gel guard action figure very neatly Mm -hmm. so practical Yes, practical action figure and top monster. And my argue probably my very favorite, almost sort of. It's really hard, but if I had to... I do genuinely love them as well. So had I picked them, it would not have been <gasps> just to snipe you. It would have been because they that, are That would just be amazing. part of the joy. <laughs> yep. Thank you. I, I knew this would happen. I th- this was when I when I first floated the idea of this episode. I think the gel guards came out immediately, and everybody was like, "Ha ha!" And I'm like, "Oh no, they're not kidding. I know, I know, they're not kidding." Mm-hmm. All right, Annette, uh, you can't top that, but you can pick one that's close to your heart—a monster <laughs> that you love so low for me. or love to hate, okay. however you choose to to interpret what we're doing here, because really, <laughs> nobody knows. It's- 
It's fun. It's fun. This is this is, you know, every time it's somebody's first draft episode, like their first pick is a special moment. So I'm glad I'm here to share this with you, Annette. Well, and um, I was designing this list sort of with two thoughts in mind. One was the ones that scared me. So Vast and Narada were high on my list there. And the other ones were Monsters I Want as Stuffies. <laughs> so this one, Erica, you can take the credit because I watched <gasps> I the Terror of the Zygons with you. <gasps> so I'm picking the Scarison, which was the Loch Ness monster. Because oh, <laughs> it was adorable. And it, like the way they shot it is so funny. And it just sort of you could tell it's a little stiff and it's just going on front of all this traffic and it's not terribly well produced, but I love it so much. And I still want a stuffy. So if anyone wants to make me or send me a knitting pattern or something, I will make it. This is the, the Loch Ness Monster from, boy, there's two in a row where it's like, well, oh, Liz could pick, oh my God, nope, that's not what she's doing. She's picking the gel guards in here. It's like, oh, this icon, nope. It's the, it's the Scarison. The, uh, the- oh my God, isn't a yeah. monster? And, and I, obviously I, no. this of course not. I barely know any old because I'm not. I don't watch a lot of classic Who yet. But uh, the Scarison is deep. a great choice. Yeah. Don't let fandom tell you otherwise. No, no don't. I don't I listen. won't. I love it. I'm not going to hear anything else about it. <laughs> it's perfect. All right, just the way it is. That that choice made me feel all gooey inside because mm. it's like like a gel guard. It's l- <laughs> like a gel guard. Yes. All right. Um, I am. This is getting about as weird as I thought it would. Uh, Moises, bring it home, I guess. I bet it's, I bet it's going to get weirder. I bet, I bet it it's is. Gonna, <laughs> it's going to get weirder. Uh, and and there's, there's, there's a twist, because you're going to think that I'm going a certain direction and I'm not. Now, <laughs> I... I, I I, I have a, a weird uh, um, history with Doctor Who compared to what I think uh, other people who consider themselves super fans would. I was terrified by the Tom Baker uh, run as it would just come on PBS. It scared me as a child. And so I really came to the show with New Who uh, with the 2005 series. And I've gone back and dipped into some of the old stuff. And in watching the collection of Who that I've that I've covered so far – I've, I've noticed a disturbing trend and it, it has led me to picking what I think is honestly the most sinister monster in the history of the entire franchise. Now, let me, let me start with the more recent stuff for, for a second. Everybody remembers, um, the, the whole thing about how somehow for reasons, just for whatever reasons, the 11th doctor couldn't or can't, uh, go back to save Rory and Amy in Manhattan. Uh, he can change all kinds of other stuff, but he can't do that. Right. And everybody remembers how the 10th doctor just gives River Song a sonic screwdriver because, well, whatever she's doomed, you know, I can't, uh, I can't fix that. I can't, uh, I can't somehow, uh, I can do all kinds of other, uh, continuity crossing stuff to fix things and change things and change things, uh, change people's entire lives. Lives. Um, and and then going back to the TV movie, uh, we remember uh, everything that was wrong with the TV movie and uh, and how how that doctor uh, brought us uh, Eric Roberts as a Doctor Who villain. Um, <laughs> terrible, terrible thing. Uh, the, the sixth doctor tried to strangle his his companion. We remember this, right? I'm not hallucinating. <laughs> how can we forget? We remember Sarah Jane being left on the side of the road in 1976. In Aberdeen. <laughs> in Aberdeen. Look, I hear Aberdeen's lovely at all times of year. But it's not Croydon. It's not Croydon. But it's not, not Croydon. Croydon. <laughs> so, no, I'm not picking the Doctor. I am picking the Doctor Who showrunners. 
who have subjected both our titular character and their companions and uh, everybody in the entire series to more terrifying and horrible leaps of logic uh, things for the for the purpose of tying up plots uh, or finishing one's run or uh, or appeasing uh, network sensors uh, they 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 have done uh, the most terrible terrifying and scary things um, that that no rubber monster could ever hope to compete with I feel like this is I think this is too broad a pick I feel like I need to make you pick a specific Doctor Who showrunner <laughs> so, so that other oh. showrunners Yay. are available so if you'd like John ah. Nathan Turner you are welcome to him <laughs> I um I, th- I c- well um, mm, mm. <laughs> I hadn't anticipated this, so maybe Jason Snell is the true monster of them all. Um, you know, I, I, f- I feel like I feel like just for performative effect, I have to pick Moffat then, uh, just because uh, just because that it, that's that's almost that's almost the cheap the cheap shot. Even though I love Moffat, um, at the same time, monster. I think I think Erica loves Suntarans, and that's why she picks Suntarans. So <laughs> yep. so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Stephen Moffat for uh, for all of his Mad Scotsman uh, uh, monstrous terrible things uh, that that he did uh, that he did to all of our favorite characters. He's gonna represent uh, all the Doctor Who showrunners who torment the fans is what i think I, I, th- I think that's fair and i think i think doctor who fans uh will approve of of uh in at least uh, you know in some respects stephen moffat being labeled a monster mm-hmm. yeah as you said like you know if you love him you still think he's a monster in the, the best ways and if you hate him like there's <laughs> definitely a corner of fandom that does they think he's a monster for completely other reasons so i feel like that's a good pick yeah <laughs> All right, I uh, it's my turn now, and I am struggling here because there there are ones that I, I have on my list that I I am almost certain will be available later, um, <laughs> and so I'm a little bit more concerned about grabbing the ones that I uh, that I want to see uh, represented in the draft, and that's what I'm going to do. Uh, created by a monster, by the way, these monsters uh, <laughs> because they first appear oh in, and it is my it is the one that I like. It's not an episode Erica likes, but uh, it's not her pick, so who cares? Uh. I like the clockwork droids from the girl in the fireplace (laughs) Mm. and I'm going to pick them. And and here's why I'm going to pick them. They look super cool. They have weird Mm -hmm. sound effects that go along with them. They live on a spaceship and they are a horror movie monster that likes to take body parts from people in a, let's face it, really inept attempt to fix their spaceship i mean i guess it sort of works but like they want the madam they want madam de pompadour's brain because that's going to be their computer and like i think these guys don't know what they're doing is quite quite frankly i think they're very confused <laughs> and it, it is a this is the problem with letting uh, artificial intelligence run wild and it does lead to this uh horror movie body horror kind of uh thing in girl in the fireplace and uh i like them and then you can pour anti-oil on them apparently and they uh, fall apart into little bits and they have the little clockwork pieces in their heads and it explodes and it goes everywhere and i really like them i think they're very effective i don't think they're nearly as effective when unlike the weeping angels i would say which their second appearance is uh is still very strong um the revival of the clockwork droids in deep breath is mm, quite disappointing to me but in the girl in the fireplace i love them a lot i like how they look and they sound and the awful things that they do and that's a good monster in my book so clockwork droids there it is i've seen some yeah they are the the prettiest they are i've seen some amazing cosplay Mm. of that and when you see one of those things in in person that looks pretty much exactly like it does on the screen Mm -hmm. it's terrifying yeah yeah and yet pretty 
Yeah. And still pretty. Yep. And they go pretty <laughs> terrifying. With all those little little ticking like watch mm-hmm. sounds and yep. that's the sign that they're gonna come and carve out a body part to use for the like you know, if you're ready if you're cooked uh, enough our toilets are down we need your kidneys okay that doesn't i don't think that's gonna <laughs> fine whatever stupid robot they don't know biology they're robots what do they know mm-hmm. all right um that's a round done oh boy we got more there's more but before we do that i am going to take a break and tell you about our sponsor that's right. I'm reading the sponsor ad with people here instead of off in a quarter by myself as I normally do. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Water Cooler Trivia. The people at Water Cooler Trivia are here to spruce up life at your office. They send weekly quizzes by email to you and your colleagues to spark good spirited competition. It's quick to set up, and in no time at all, you'll be discovering your coworkers' secret knowledge, maybe about gel guards, who knows, and showing off your own. Here's how it works you create a group, choose your quiz categories and difficulty level. You'll get a custom link to share with your colleagues so they can sign up. Anyone who signs up will get a quiz in their inbox every Monday, and you'll all get weekly results in your inbox, so things may get competitive. Water cooler trivia is brightening Mondays for companies all over the world, from international consulting firms down to tiny tech startups. You can create a group for your team today. There's a free trial, no credit card required, and now we need to test out the trivia questions, which is why my panel is here. So here is my my question. Let's see. Oh, there's some really good ones here. Uh, What burger chain has a menu item called the Baconator? How do I ring in? You just did. <laughs> just shout it out. Jason, of course, the answer is Wendy's. Oh, you're right. Old-fashioned hamburgers. I feel bad for your cholesterol number, but you got that right. No, it's not my cholesterol. It's the sheer number of TV ads I watch. Yeah, that's true. I've, I've eaten the Baconator. It's delicious. That's a bit of an American chain. Where's the question with the European chain? <laughs> that's a good question. I'm, good question. I'm sorry. We're going to have to find a question about Little Chef. Uh, I've got, I've got a, a European-related question, which is a 2011 film features an early scene that's set in Tonsberg, Norway in the year 695. What is the four-letter name of this film? Anybody? Four. <laughs> it's Norway. It's like right across the water there, Liz. I know where it is. <laughs> where you keep it? I just it? don't do you know anything Norway? about 695. Yes. What's the four-letter name of this film? I believe David Brad- Thor. Bradley is in this film. Yes, it's Thor. It's Thor. Because you've got to have a flashback to old-timey of Norse course. times. And then, yeah. Anyway, watercoolertrivia.com slash incomparable. You can get a two-month free trial, eight weeks of free office fun. Watercoolertrivia.com slash incomparable. Thank you to Water Cooler Trivia for supporting the incomparable. And with that, we are done with round one. And uh, round two begins with Kelly. Kelly. Because uh, I got a question right at Watercooler Trivia. another monster. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm going to be uh, specific about this one because uh, like most of the monsters in Doctor Who at some point, um, they've gone through iterations. We discussed that with the Sontarans. And so uh, my pick is the master, but I'm specifically choosing the Missy version because she's super unpredictable at points. And every once in a while, she turns out to have like a feeling, uh, sometimes two, and uh, you never quite know how those are going to be applied to what's going on right now. And so, you know, she would just as soon smack you in the face as give you a smooch. And I find that really sort of terrifying, but also really, really interesting to watch. So uh, that's who I pick. And uh, I also... Uh, 
adore her as a character just like the charm and the chemistry and all of it like i think it's all fantastic so she's super interesting to watch even though um i do find her scary i never expected myself to be so deeply sexually attracted to the master (laughs) i did (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah you did erica yeah you did (laughs) did anthony only not do it for you my sus what come on man with that laugh. Look, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> too close to myself. Oh, I see. I felt it was too All close right. to home. Is, I, so, know. so is. I mean, obviously, I'm going to allow this, but but I do have to ask: Is the master a monster? No. Yes. No. What? But also, no. Of course, they're not. But also, it was still a great answer. So I think it should be allowed just because right. I like him. People talk about how great Missy is. Missy so. is great. She Missy's is great. Fantastic. I love the, the ruling from Liz is no, but it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yes, basically. This is why you should never be in charge of anything. I was about to Our... say this is why you should be in charge of all drafts from now on. <laughs> yes. Uh, now on, yeah, she's great. She's great. I love. I love the um, finer the the season ten Missy where she's trying to be good legitimately mm-hmm. and. <laughs> failing spectacularly yes. but trying i think that is the most interesting use of the master that i've ever seen i mm-hmm. I, I love that journey for that character to to like have the master kind of like trying to change her ways and mm-hmm. uh and i'm i'm sad <laughs> i'm sad how it ends but uh but it ends in a <laughs> fitting way but i i am sad about it I, I love that version of missy i love all the versions of missy but that one especially mm-hmm and that's why she's interesting is because like watching her try and do something like a lot of uh you know uh, with with a lot of monsters in particular it's just they're monsters because they're monsters Mm. or there's um some very trite reason for what's made them be not just be bad bad guys or whatever but do so for millennia and so it's really interesting to watch like a villain monster have that sort of journey as they go and that's the that's that's another piece of what i really like because Mm. when you think about when we first meet her and where she ends up um it's it there there's a whole lot of journey going on there and i and i really enjoyed it she's a monster because she chooses to be a monster Mm. until she chooses to not be Mm. or at least to try yeah okay erica it's your choice Okay, I'm going. I'm going for for one that has some some layers. We'll see if it slides by the judges. Can we make Liz the judge for this one? <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling really revengey at you. Oh, so. <laughs> so um, so yeah, I I am going to pick uh the greatest monster in Doctor Who history, and that is Margaret Thatcher. Hear me oh, out. Wow. Oh, God. I am. It was on my list. It seriously was on my list. <laughs> I'm not talking about <laughs> Helen A. from the Happiness Patrol, who was like, you know, sort of a, a caricature of Maggie Thatcher. A caricature. <laughs> <laughs> a very thin character. Um, no, I'm talking about the actual uh, Margaret Thatcher, who called a snap election in 1983. And that snap election forced the BBC to make a choice. They, they could either scrap the story that they were working on uh, in favor of election coverage, or they could move it ahead and, and air it two weeks earlier. Earlier. So they chose to move it ahead two weeks earlier. That story was was one called Warriors of the Deep. And Warriors of the Deep is a story I love. And it features a monster that was on its own <laughs> on my list. And that is the Mirka. And the Mirka is this oh no, like we've, we've giant. 
<laughs> I'm killing Liz. It's great. I love it. Erica um, was the real monster all the time. Now we know. So the Merkit was this giant sort of like reptile creature that looked sort of like a sea creature slash dragony thing, but they didn't have time to finish creating the costume. So it was just sort of like a giant tarp over a couple of guys with these big eyes. It was literally, the paint was still wet on it, so there's a moment where you can see the green paint rubbing off on the sets as it walks oh past. Oh my gosh. It was, it was so, it was so terribly realized that, and here's, here's where the next layer comes in. So Michael Grade, who's the controller of the BBC, happened to flip on the television to, still to BBC. Still on the board, by the way. Michael Grade okay, still available. Good. <laughs> um, so he he flips on the television and you know what's what's going on on BBC this 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 network that I'm the controller for and he sees the the warriors of the deep and the murka and is like what is this crap this is terrible this show is awful and that right there was really kind of the beginning of the end of classic doctor who because from that point on michael great had this nasty taste in his mouth mm. regarding doctor who and was was sort of the 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 monster in his own right that that canceled the show or mm-hmm. and ensured that it got canceled later on um so yeah, but that all, you know, traces back to Maggie Thatcher and her snap election in 1983. So, so she's my official pick, but it's, I, I felt good that I could also talk about a couple, well, one delightful monster, the Merka, and one less delightful monster, Michael Grade. There you go. <laughs> I don't know if anybody remembers that TV series, Connections, with James Burke, where he would be standing in a field in Mesopotamia and say how, like, there was this one bad wheat harvest in uh, the year, like, uh, 1000 BC, and it led directly to the creation of the Pocket Watch, that show. But I feel like we just had that, a version of that just now. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. great. Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> Villain, monster, call call her what you will. Uh, Liz, Liz, villain, have you, villain do you allow monster it? Are very, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yes, I'm good to allow it. I thought that was beautiful and very well constructed. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of had a lot of deep meaning, metaphors, alternate interpretations. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I didn't know we were doing in defense of, but uh, <laughs> that's fine. I love that, so we can do that. Sometimes the draft is just a sequential in defense of, um, in defense of your own choice. Um, Gene, it's your choice now. Ah, oh, after that one. Yep. That was so, <laughs> so skillfully integrated mm. and so so many <laughs> levels of meaning. Um, I'm still in my list of things that really scare me, uh, but I'm going to leave. I'm going to skip down one because I, I don't want to go there. And I will pick uh, The Family of Blood. Oh, yeah. Um, the uh, The terrible, terrible family from... Uh, human nature and the family of blood, uh, Doctor Who, uh, David Tennant and Martha Jones, uh, mm-hmm. era. And the reasons that they scared me, and I, it was really interesting putting these lists together because I'm like, oh yeah. And then they could take the form of the thing that they attacked is like one of the sentences in every description <laughs> of everything that huh. I have chosen. And if you start thinking about it, it's true of many of them. Mm. And I was like, isn't that, isn't that eerie? And doesn't that sh- reveal our deepest like fear? It's, and then I thought, or it's a lot cheaper to make the monsters look like us. And then um, they're even, you know, and bonus, they're, they're scary that way. So yeah, the family of blood was um, these aliens who were, chasing down the doctor and forcing him to go into uh kind of exile in 
not know that he was himself and putting his doctorness into a pocket watch or what that thing is called, which you will all enlighten me, but looks like a pocket watch that he could um, therefore hide from the family of blood because they could literally smell him, which was also creepy. And then I have to say the, uh, they, besides being these four aliens who could take over the bodies of four humans, they could also create uh, monsters out of scarecrows and make these armies of stuffed straw men, which as I was researching this, somebody, you know, had a quote from one of the showrunners saying like, yeah, that's really for the kids. The real monsters, the real monsters. (laughs) The adults won't find it that scary. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I found that really (laughs) scary because again, I can't, if I see something that is scarecrow like I go, "Mm." you know, I look at it a little differently nowadays. So that is my pick, they aren't funny, they aren't political, they don't show up again, um, but they they were good. And I really – and I do enjoy that um, two-parter episode quite a bit for many reasons, and that's one. When I came in here to do this podcast today, before I, before I stepped in the door, um, Lauren was suggesting Doctor Who monsters that she could think of that she thought were scary. And she specifically singled out the Scarecrow's that are animated mm-hmm. in the family of blood because they are super scary. But of course it goes beyond that. There's the, the, you know, the little girl with the red balloon and yeah. uh, Viserys Targaryen. <laughs> very very <laughs> some scary things in that episode. So that's good. Um, Liz, you have the gel guards. What next? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was, I was kind of feeling like I should go for the obscure, the real monsters, the black and white monsters, the ones in the episodes that no longer exist, mm. you know, just, just to even out the old school, new school, thing we degree, what's it thing. But I don't want to lie to myself. Um, <laughs> and okay, this isn't quite new schoolish, but uh, they've at least appeared there. Um, and, but I'm going to restrict it. Uh, if we're going to do incarnations of a Time Lord, then I feel I can restrict it to a decade for a villain. Mm-hmm. Villain? Monster? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> monster? For a monster? There are. Anyway, so my second choice will be the 80s Cybermen. See, Liz, you might have been surprised by my first pick, but so far I've known exactly what you were going to pick both times. <laughs> Shushed, I have an enigma <laughs> and a mystery in a Rubik's Cube. Gosh darn it. Mm-hmm. Stop. In an 80s Cyberman mask. (laughs) I don't think that you should be on talk to me about Doctor Who anymore. (laughs) Liz, 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 I feel like your pick is excellent. No, 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 it's too late. (laughs) I've been so... (laughs) I'm also ill because that took me like two seconds. Um, Yeah, 80s Cybermen. So as, as you may know, listeners, the Cybermen have been in Doctor Who for quite a long time. They first appeared in William Hartnell's very final episode, 10th Planet, and last appeared in Peter Capaldi's Regeneration, which was also the 10th planet mm. kind of anyway um so that that's a long time that's like 50 years worth and obviously unless it's the daleks even with them you don't really keep the whole same design for 50 years but the, the cybermen have changed a lot in that time they started off as being cloth faces and uh part humanish bits that you can be used again and and uh the doctor falls and world enough in time and the 10th planet in the uh 60s uh, Patrick Trout and Cybermen were very, you know, they were a little silverier. They were quite keen on um, changing other people into Cybermen. Uh, they had quite good voices. I quite like them. I'm quite fond of them. 
Um, by the 70s, it went a little interesting um, in that we had them in Tom Baker's Revenge of the Cybermen where they had very odd voices and it was just, it was a strange and confusing time if you like Cybermen. You didn't, you wanted to like them, you wanted to enjoy them, but you just, I couldn't get on board with them. But then Earthshock arrives. Beautiful, beautiful Fifth Doctor Earthshock, where the Cybermen triumphantly return, and nobody knows that they're going to return because John Nathan Turner calls it Earthshock, which, as you'll note, doesn't have the word Cyberman in the title, so it's in (laughs) fact a surprise. But the great thing about this is that David Banks was here. David Banks, aka God of Cybermen, and the only thing that makes any Cyberman worth anything in the terrible, terrible stories that were to come is because David Banks was there saving the entire thing with his cybermanning ways. He's a cyber leader in, in Earthshock, the Five Doctors, Attack of the Cybermen, and Silver Nemesis. Have I missed one out? I don't think so. Have I missed one out? Hmm. I don't think I've missed one out. Um, and in each one, he is an absolute delight. He is the epitome of what it means to be a Cyberman, especially an 80s Cyberman. They're all silvery. They've got Doc Martens sprayed silver on their feet. They've got little thingamajiggeries welded. Oh, wait, they've got like little screws in their helmets that one of them got to put through their ear one time because I watched the documentary on Silver Nemesis that told me that. Um but they're just magnificent. They don't make me cringe. They don't make silly noises like they do in the new series. They don't bore me with their very slow noises, voices like they do at the beginning. They don't have silly stampy, stampy things as they walk. They don't have silly catchphrases like delete, delete. They have superb catchphrases like Erica. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Have to, you have to Thank do that thing. It's a podcast, so you won't see it, but you have to do that thing with the fist when you do that. Yes. <laughs> It's not works without the fist movement. So, in in closing, <laughs> no matter how bad your Cyberman story of the 80s, whether it's Attack of the Cybermen or Silver Nemesis, if you have David Banks there, you will save it. You will make it watchable for at least some people like myself. Thank you. Right. I will accept <laughs> the 80s Cyberman. So, David Banks, is he the performer in the suit and the voice? Yes. Yes. Oh, very nice. Mm-hmm. Back in the, those days, they couldn't afford to hire different people to do the different jobs, I guess. You would want to hire different people. He was very yeah. tall and mm-hmm. had a very good voice. Why would you want anyone and else? he went on to publish a book about the Cybermen and the history mm. of the Cybermen. That's good. Yep. Also, he wrote one of the Doctor New Adventures. Mm. It had Cybermen in it. All right. So, so Cybermen uh, from the 80s, but Cybermen, Suntarans, Weeping Angels all off the board. I'll just point out, there is one famous Doctor Who monster. I wonder if if nobody will just pick it at all. If nobody picks it, everyone gets it. But we'll just wait till the end for that. Annette. I don't want it. I know. I know. I don't think I want it either. Annette, it is Liz, your Liz choice. would like to return it, send it back. Yep. <laughs> Put it back in that Amazon box and say, nope, I don't want it. Just refund my money. Annette, what is your choice? Well, it's not going to be that one uh-huh. uh, okay so it's not often that doctor who actually is scary to me i i find it amusing and entertaining and i think monsters are scary but they don't actually fill me with fear but the one episode that did was listen and you had that thing something sitting under a sheet on a bed it didn't do anything we didn't know i don't like we never saw what it was we don't even know if it exists it creaked the bed a little bit, but that 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 scene was very scary. So whatever is under that sheet, mm-hmm. 
whatever that, is listening that, and listen. Uh, the yes. listener. The listener. That is scary to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, it, I agree. It's super creepy. That is another another one of those Stephen Moffat big idea kind of things, which is what if there's something that you can't detect that's always listening and you turn around and then you confront your fear? And is it just in your mind? Um, in that episode, you're very much suggested that it's all in your mind and then there's a, something hiding under the sheet. And the so sheet? it can't be in your mind, can it? Well, and I think it's only remains scary because we never it never manifests into anything right so it always is just that scary thought at the back of your mind yeah which it's makes it scary it's the idea of a monster exactly mm. all right all the all, the idea of a monster has been taken so all monsters are now off the board <laughs> i don't know what we're gonna do with the rest of Killed our time i think annette wrecked. just won the draft yeah. i just yeah. wrecked the draft it's a good one it's very good very good um Moises? Well, Annette might have uh, driven it into a ditch, but I'm going to drive us into a further ditch. <laughs> okay, great. Um, I, I, I feel again. I feel like I feel like there's some responsibility to trying to cross the classic era and the and the modern era a bit. Um, and you know, thinking about it, there is uh, there is a there's a class of monsters that that on the outside may may look cute, cheery, uh, well intentioned, but I, I found that. Uh, Sometimes intentionally, most of the times intentionally, sometimes completely unintentionally, they have completely malevolent effects on the doctor's life. They end up taking him all across the galaxy because he he is suddenly uh, concerned with uh, with with dealing with with issues related to them. Uh, sometimes as as simply as as they encountered with the second uh, doctor, uh, they just uh, uh, surround him like a bunch of schoolyard bullies. And and of course, I'm talking about British schoolchildren. <laughs> now 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 let, let's let's jump all the way forward to the name of the doctor and remember those two school children who utterly tormented the poor poor time lord uh the the doctor having to deal with with these school children uh can can be you know funny and and fun in this one-off way but but i, I will challenge you to to uh to to think maybe as much as we love amelia pond maybe there's a little bit something sinister about a a a, a little a little schoolgirl who becomes so obsessed with this alien um, that she uh, that that she has has wrapped her entire existence around uh, somehow meeting this alien again uh, and uh, and ends up absolutely uh, uh, destroying him emotionally uh, in in some ways uh, Amelia Pond was the real monster all along uh, and and along with her uh, all of these these terrifying. Uh, British school children uh, that have uh, that have been terrorizing the doctor for all of these decades. And there's a kid who blew up his school in school reunion. See, <laughs> see, I'm not so crazy. I'm crazy, but I'm not so crazy. Right. I took the credit. I guess canine blew it up, but he took the credit for it. He helped. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, uh, he, here's the thing. Why do you think the doctor had those jelly babies in his pocket all the time? He was terrified mm. and felt like maybe he needed something that he could use to appease these little monsters Candy. coming after him all the time. All right, Moises, you got you got British school children. Congratulations. They're off the board. <laughs> I feel like I really want The real now. monsters. The real monsters of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Okay, with my pick, I'm going to actually uh, remind people that we did a draft, a more general draft of uh, monsters. In a comparable episode 325, the supervillain slash monster draft. And one of the most um, controversial choices in that, in the first round, came from Dan Morin. It, no, it's not Batman. Batman is not a Doctor Who monster. <laughs> but uh, you know who is 
Satan. Yes. <laughs> and that is why I, I am going to choose Satan as a Doctor Who monster that I like in the Impossible Planet, the Satan Pit. Uh, there are two Satans. There is the mind of the being that has been chained up near a black hole since before the beginning of the universe or however that works um this is it has been trying to escape and finally through the conduit of uh poor stupid toby has the ability to who reads the wrong symbols and there's all this amazing stuff about the language that can't be translated and the symbols appear in his face and of course Gabriel Wolf who is also Sutek still on the board uh, mm. the the voice of Sutek in Pyramids of Mars whispering to him Toby it is super creepy and uh, you know and so that part is like how does Satan escape in uh, inside uh, Toby and escape from the black hole and then the other part is that David Tennant goes down in a pit and and there's literally a giant satanic monster cgi monster uh but uh it's kind of mindless and there's this mystery about it and i love how that how he kind of parses it out and i love the i love those two episodes and i think that the uh the physical satan is super creepy and of course even more creepy is the voice of gabriel wolf and the idea that uh that toby with the writing on his face and the red eyes and everything is possessed and is trying to get out into the universe after spending most of the universe tied down next to a black hole. Um, and, you know, if you can extrapolate that to Satan in general, sure, sure, that too. But <laughs> Satan as a Doctor Who monster worked for me. So I'm going to pick Satan right wow, here. Wow, Jason, I, I didn't think that not only somebody would come up with someone worse than Margaret Thatcher, but one that <laughs> Margaret Thatcher would also in turn agree mm, with. Sure. <laughs> well done. Well done. Satan, Satan Pit. It's good. It's good. It doesn't get enough uh, credit, I think. I think I got people on this podcast who are behind me on that point. Satan Pit's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. It, it's very good. I, I hear people talk about it a lot. Really? So Well, it's because yeah. you're around Liz a lot. And and my spouse, Stephen, <laughs> and your spouse, also all right. loves it. Mm-hmm. Stephen is feeding images into into our uh, our chat of all of these monsters. It's super scary. Um, it is that <laughs> that's yeah. one of I think one of the better realized um, visually uh, villains was the the satan that that, that is, starts to escape from the satan pit like that was if you are are scared by visual imagery that is realistic and terrifying like that is nightmare fuel yeah, for sure right right mm-hmm. um i found at gallifrey one by the way i almost bought it you know that how they have the um they sell like the very popular things like doctors and daleks in their boxes like action figures in their boxes for a lot of money but there's also that giant heap of plastic that is like loose action figures that have been retrieved from various yeah. giveaway <laughs> bins in various places and then they sold by the pound and brought to a convention and i was looking through one of those and i found an action figure of uh toby with the handwriting uh, with the with the, the satanic writing on his face from wow. uh, the the impossible planet and i thought maybe and I was like, no, it's too scary. I can't do it. But it was I was tempted. I was tempted. You don't want to bring that into your home. No, no, don't don't bring Satan into your home, people. Don't do it. In any form, Jeez. Doctor Who or otherwise. All right. Uh, we have we have more uh, more picking to do, but first let me take another break and tell you about our other sponsor this week. This episode is also brought to you by Chegg, which is not a Doctor Who monster. Instead, it is a leader in online. It sounds kind of like it, like it would be like a very big egg with like a little chicken head sticking out How of it. How could you not know of the terrible sinister Chegg? That's right. It's it's from an, a lost episode from uh, 1967 called uh, Horror of the. Chegg? I don't know. It's from a uh, season six B. Okay, that's oh, the, very nice, very nice. Um, 
it, so therefore only we can only speculate about it yeah um Anyway, at Chegg, you can search for free scholarships, you can browse course reviews, you can get 24-7 study help and rent textbooks for a fraction of the cost of your bookstore in one big education redefining student hub. You can tap into Chegg's massive library of step-by-step textbook solutions, everything from accounting to biology to calculus to mechanical engineering. So the Chegg study app can help whether you're studying for a midterm, prepping for a final exam, or struggling with homework. And if you need help with a tough problem, you can use the Chegg study app to take a picture and submit it to Chegg's experts. My daughter is uh, applying for colleges and getting into colleges, and she's got uh, she's got AP tests to study for. And we're also dealing with what we're going to happen, what, what's going to happen next year, where she goes off uh, to school, and we're going to have the cost of books and all of these things. And I have to say, I look at the uh, stuff that Chegg is offering, and I think this is this could be useful to us right now, and it will definitely be useful to my daughter next year as she starts college um and uh maybe if this if this deal is still going in the fall maybe i will take it but for you right now if you're one of these people five dollars off your first month subscription go to chegg.com that's c-h-e-g-g.com like it's spelled in the doctor who episode about it chegg.com slash skeletor right now not a doctor who monster also skeletor use the promo code skeletor how could you forget that chegg.com slash skeletor <laughs> promo code skeletor c-h-e-g-g all hail the chegg and thank you thanks to chegg for supporting the incomparable and with that we have reached our third round kelly uh chegg is off the board but uh, many monsters <laughs> are on the board uh what's your third round selection this was one that uh, I ha- I did have to look up because I wanted to make sure I had the information right for because I watched it once when I was small and it freaked me out hard. And so I'm basically uh, choosing this one on the memory of how bad this was for me, myself personally, because um, this is this in particular is something that really, really freaks me out. And it is eight legs and specifically the great one who freaks me out so bad because I have a thing about spiders. And so uh, a giant psychic spider who throws down with the doctor uh, is terrifying to me and so i i uh i like i can't go i i want to go back and watch it again and i can't bring myself to do it because i just remember being so unbelievably freaked out by the fact that they were giant spiders in the first place and then he goes and talks to an even bigger one no i still haven't entirely watched that part in harry potter either because spiders (laughs) you guys so yes that's my pick is uh eight legs from uh Back in the day, um, Planet of the Spiders. <laughs> Planet of the Spiders. It was called Planet of the Spiders. It was uh, the last of the third Doctor and the introduction of the fourth Doctor uh, was, is where that shows up in the timeline. Mm. And uh, it, uh, yeah, um, very, 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 very scary to me. So uh, that's my pick. A nice old yeah. school monster. Works for me. Everybody, I mean, I don't mind spiders, but I, I can <laughs> totally see how... If you don't mm-hmm. like spiders, then the uh, Planet of the Spiders spiders would be super scary. Yep. Oregon is a tough place to live if you don't like spiders. So I have just convinced myself that spiders are cool and I don't mind them at all. Hmm. I like I, if they if they can live outside and that's fine and there are spiders outside and I'm okay with them being outside, I don't. they don't need to share my living space. Mm. I have my own and they have all the rest of the whole wide world. They don't need any of my of, of mine. And that's basically my, my stance on that. Um 
but yeah, so uh, part of it is just that uh, they are, I mean, to me, yes, very scary, but they, um, like, the other part of it is that um, one of the ways that they get around is basically riding people. So uh, in the most recent <laughs> season, when we had, in the most recent season, when uh, we had when we had the moment with the alien latched on the lady's back, I, it, that's what, that's what brought this up was I remember seeing mm-hmm. that and going, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God. <laughs> and freaking out and going, please don't be another giant spider. And I knew it wasn't. And my brain was like, no, I don't care. We're going to freak out about this because this is what happened because, you know, because this has happened before. Right. Or Donna so. in turn left too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Multi-legged slashed tentacled creatures on people's backs is like a Doctor Who staple that is indeed <laughs> terrifying. Kelly, you'll, yes. be, you'll be glad to know that there is a uh, Big Finish audio called World Wide Web where the uh, the Metabilis or, or Metabolis spiders come back. And uh, oh, the nice thing good. is it's an audio, so you don't actually have to see them. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> let my imagination <laughs> fill them yeah, in so they're actually them. terrifying. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. That's Jason on a Saturday afternoon going, hey, Kelly, that's just for you. you fig- Have fun. Yeah. Imagine. <laughs> visualize spiders. <sighs> it's 11 a.m. Yeah. Sleep tight. Yeah. yeah. Here you go, Kelly. Enjoy. I figured you'd like this. <laughs> All right. Well, the giant spiders have been taken. Uh, who didn't see that coming? And now, Erica, it's your choice. Oh, so hard. I have I have many things that I that I love. But I think I'm going to go with one that is from a story that I love very much and allows me to talk about multiple different monster slash villains. So I'm going to go with the master brain from the Doctor Who story, The Mind Robber. Mm. So The Mind Robber actually takes place in the land of fiction, Mm -hmm. which has this master computer called the master brain, which is sort of basically running the whole place. And it does need a human to to sort of do its bidding in a way. Uh, so, so there's a guy referred to as the master. This is before, um, you know, the actual master had appeared in Doctor Who. So this was just a, a fellow who was from Earth in 1926 who became the master of the land of fiction. His brain was literally plugged into this machine. And using his human creativity, he was able to manifest all sorts of different um, monsters and villains and, and characters from fiction to, you know, to try to stop the doctor and his companions from from getting around and doing stuff that they didn't want to have it happen. Um, the Master Brain's actual goal was to get the doctor to take over this spot because the doctor had an awful lot of knowledge and creativity from running around the universe and, and knowing so much stuff. So in the course of uh, that wonderful story, you get things like a unicorn that's attacking them and Medusa and a minotaur and these creepy looking white robots which are just like very scary in and of themselves and for a while the master brain even sort of takes over Jamie and Zoe and sort of makes them creatures of fiction so they are doing the bidding of the master which I think is a particularly monstrous thing to do um so, so yeah, the uh, the master brain. Also, I really like that story because it has my last name in it. The uh, the magazine that the master worked for on Earth in 1926 was called the Ensign. Hmm. So, getting to hear a Doctor <laughs> Who character say Ensign twice made me very happy, um, even if he was a part of a monster. All right, mm-hmm. the mind robber. Uh, how is it that um, you are picking Patrick Trotton's stories? <laughs> Good question. Very rude. (laughs) Because they're very, very good. And there's enough, there's enough, a second doctor to go around Uh, for all of us. These days, especially, yes, I have seen The Mind Robber and I liked it a lot, actually. So Mm -hmm. that's good. That's good. Land of fiction. Also, that's the kind of thing where they they can put Fraser Hines on, uh, 
vacation for a week and just say, oh, he looks yeah. different now. It wasn't, it wasn't even vacation. He got like oh, he, chicken pox. I oh, yeah, think he it got was. Hurt, right, yeah, he was sick. Oh, gosh. So they, they, they put in a different, uh, a different actor and just said, oh, my gosh, Jamie, your face changed. <laughs> yep. It's amazing. Yep. I feel. I feel very seen. I mean, Erica is specifically picking uh, uh, something from the mind robber. It it doubles down my British school children monster pick. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, Jean, your choice. Okay, I'm going to pick something very recent and go with the Kerblam robots from the most recent uh, Doctor Who season with Jodie Whittaker. And I'm picking them because they did scare me in a, a different kind of way which is that it really hits close to home. Um, the kind of way that robots are making us, uh, you know, taking over things, but doing a poor job of making us feel at home or even safe in this whole world. And those robots, I mean, as soon, it was funny when we first see them in that episode where, uh, where the doctor is getting a, a package, she's so excited to see them. And it's like, Ooh, it's the Kerblam man. Um, but as soon as you really see him, you think this is not going to end well. They have those eyes that are scary, those fake happy faces and um, fake sentiments all around. Yet they don't miss an opportunity to tell you like, hey, guys, a great conversation. But maybe you should uh, remember that that's going to lead to efficiency reductions. Mm. Uh, a little office spacey, you know, <laughs> when, mm-hmm. uh, they, they would fit in well there. And they also, you know, they do come from a line of uh, 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 scary looking things that you see in New Who that are, you know, either department store models or um, they're uh, those those uh, ticket takers underneath the that lead to the 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 dungeons of the the big uh UK oh, yeah. in space. And the beast below. <laughs> the beast below. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so I definitely recognize them as kindred spirits, but I think throwing in these, uh, the very recognizable, um, massive delivery retail operation that, uh, is so, so, uh, unrealistic and so science fiction y, it could never really mm. happen. Um, <laughs> And then, of course, I go to my door, and it's like, oh, the Kerblam man, he's been here. Yay. <laughs> so uh, I'm a little, I think I'm afraid of myself ultimately when I see the Kerblam robots because I, I have welcomed them willingly mm. into my home. Indeed. The, uh, there was, you, you will be excited or sad to know that there was, a, I saw at least one Kerblam robot cosplayer at Galley this year, which was oh, really? a little disturbing, actually. A little disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a creepy, it's a creepy thing. I like how you tied together uh, Kerblam and The Beast Below, Gene. Um, Thank you. I hate both of those episodes so much. But <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yes, I know. It's nobody's favorite episode, but there's still stuff to see and be scared by, even in the worst episodes sometime. That is Doctor Who in a nutshell. Mm. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, Liz, it's your choice. Uh, well, having been attacked at the lack of Patrick Troughton stories, <laughs> I'm obviously going to fall into that horrible, horrible trap. But also, I was like, no 60s monsters were being chosen until er- Erica just got there. So, um, yeah, I- it was a tough choice between two, um, but I'm going for the one that's in the 60s. Liz, uh, the macro do not exist. <laughs> no, I'm not going for the macro. There are no macro. 
Okay, they, sorry. They don't Go exist. They, there's no such thing as macro. All right. They were further down the list. You've incurred the wrath of the wild Liz Miles. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of delightful, beautiful uh, robots in the 60s. So I just got to name check them since just now. Uh, there was Crotons, the War Machines, and the Mechnoids were my favorites. But my top favorite, the one that I love beyond all the other 60 robots, indeed all the other robots in Doctor Who, oh boy. were the beautifully proportioned and adorable, go away, Erica, quarks. <laughs> How perfect are the quarks? Sweet and cute and slightly cuboid and with little squeaky voices. They're the perfect invading force that everyone would like to use. But um, only the Dominators apparently have them. Oh, I bet you could get them at Kerblam, though. They'd probably send them out because they'd fit into parcels really neatly. So, yes, I think you could order your own quarks from Kerblam, and I would do that. The quarks. The quarks. They are adorable. (laughs) They look they, they look a bit like a child's drawing of a robot realized. Yes. Which is kind of But kinda they're fun. actually deadly. Yeah. Of course they are. And they will kill you for saying that. They're monsters. So, you know. Yeah, but they'll say they'll 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 scold you in such a high voice you cannot take them seriously, so you'll <laughs> die laughing. <laughs> You're still dead. <laughs> That's how monstrous they are. Mhm. Yes, you don't take sure. them seriously and their voices are adorable and then they you're dead. Doesn't matter. Quarks taken. Uh, Annette, what do you have? Okay, I have a long list, but I think I'm going to go with the Silurians. Because Mm. I like uh, the concept of the co-evolving lizard race, I only know them from New Who. I don't know if they existed before that. They did? I thought so. But uh, yeah, so you have the whole hungry earth and they come up and, you know, are going to have a big battle with the human ape race, which is great. But then to follow that up with a Madame Vastra, who I love, and they're she's they're kind of beautiful. Their skin is cool, their look is cool, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I just really like them. Does anybody want to speak to the Silurians in the classic series and how they differ? I feel like I just someone posted oh. a picture, and I'm like, they're not as pretty. <laughs> no, they're not. I mean, I, I feel like there's season there's season seven, this adoption of Silurians, um, and season seven is perfect in every single way. And yet, yes, the new Who Silurians, the beautiful, the makeup is beautiful, and I would be totally fine with it looking like that in the original series, which mm-hmm. I don't often say. It's not often that way around, mm-hmm. but yeah, new Who Silurians look really good. I've yeah, seen someone do. cosplay with the most amazing makeup, too, and it was stunning. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know how you can, uh, this is, goes for society in general. Like, you know, when you, when in science fiction, you have these alien races and it's just so easy to generalize about the race, which is space, it's space racism. Again, we're just going to say it. Yep. You can't do that. Everybody's different. Mm-hmm. I do think that there's an effect though where we start, when you talk about Strax or when you talk about Madame Vastra, suddenly it's like, now you're talking about a person and not this generalized alien or non-alien in the case of uh, the Silurians race. Um, uh, but I, I love Madame Vastra and, um, and uh, that makeup is is great. And yeah, they the Silurians and the Sea Devils not mm, yeah prob- problematic in in the classic Doctor Who. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the speaking of the just uh, of Strax and that and also Madame Vastra, they are both like Strax is a clone, so you have the same you can have the same character playing multiple or actor playing multiple characters. And same thing with Madame Vastra. Uh, Neve McIntosh is you know like there are. Uh, they're not clones, but they're like, I don't know, hatch sisters or something like that, that all look the same. So you get to, you know, it's, it's cost effective to use the same right. actor. Because they've to made the mold the- for their face. So you yep. can just do that again. Yeah. Yeah. That confused me the first time 
I saw Madame Vaster. It was like it felt really it took me a while to wrap my head around that. I also though think in the Hungry Earth, though, you did see a variety of personalities of the Silurians. Mm-hmm. So some were on side, mm-hmm. some just wanted to go to battle. So it kind of gave a more rounded picture of a race. Yep. Yep. So. All right. Uh, it is. It does bridge the gap between the series. Okay. Um, Moises, you have chosen Stephen Moffat and all Doctor Who showrunners and uh, British school children. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not quite sure why you're here other than just to make trouble, but you might as well, since you since you went to the trouble of making trouble, tell me your next pick. Oh, Jason, I've uh, I've relented uh, in my in my formerly monstrous ways, and I'm picking an actual, uh, I guess what you would say, uh, a, a conventional Doctor Who monster. Uh, we we went to the '60s. I'm taking us to the '70s, to the swinging days of John Pertwee, um, for uh, for a Doctor Who monster that I became aware of uh, thanks to Peter Capaldi getting the part and talking about one of his favorite uh, Doctor Who creatures, and that's the Axons, uh, <gasps> who. <laughs> I had Liz, Liz is I, excited. I did not know about the axons and would not have known about I would not have introduced myself to the axons as soon as I did were it not for Peter Capaldi and um in in the interest of of uh, of broaching uh, further transatlantic um uh, peace treaty ties <laughs> I, I defer to the gasping Scotswoman um to tell us why she gasped so immediately about these uh, these initially golden-faced god look god statue looking things that turn out to be big bundles of like brain nerves oh because they're in one of my favorite a story i absolutely adore and it's in season eight which is like my comfort season and i love every story in it even the ones with terrible episodes and because it's just not a monster that people really talk about all that much or really feels like they appreciate it all that much it, it doesn't get a lot of discussion and so it's just like oh that's a really exciting choice that's not <laughs> something that comes up a lot it's really cool I win, I win, I win. So their whole thing, their whole thing is they absorb a planet's energy and send it back to their planet. And there's some great science fictional metaphorical stuff to play with on that. And, and when I introduced myself to them, I was surprised that they haven't been really used that much. I think, I think they're, they're cool. They've got a cool design to them, both designs of them that exist. Um, one of them very much going off of the, Hey, it's the 1970s. Our budget allows for body suits and body paint and wigs. Um, so let's do with that what we can. Um, and, and then the truly monstrous form of them uh, is, is a cool design that I would, I would love to see a modernized uh, incarnation of the Axons make a comeback. I think, I think they're, uh, they're an underappreciated uh, classic who thing that hasn't been recycled, redone, reused. Yes, we'll bring it back in an episode that we'll title The Wigs of Axos. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> okay, I'm going to close out the third round, and then we're going to uh, do our, our final sort of bring out your dead monster round. Uh, dead where monsters. Ev- whatever's left on your list, you can you can share that. Um, but uh, to close out the, the final round proper, I am going to choose... I can't believe this didn't get taken. I think it's obvious. I think it's at the core of the show. I think it's one of the fundamental things about the premise of Doctor Who. And of course, that's the Absorbaloth. Yeah, the real monsters... <laughs> people are the time lords and their entire society mm. which is decadent oh, and corrupt racist. 
and awful. It's space racism. Yeah, space it, racist. It just happens. That's purely an 80s thing. Uh, well, is it purely given the time yes. war and their, the end of time? Their dedication to law. No, well, yes, fine. It's purely a post-80s thing. Yes, well, uh, well, is it? Is it because the deadly assassin and... Their dedication to... Yeah, but there was no more corrupt than any arts government. Their dedication to law and order and rule of law prior to the 80s was okay, perfectly fine. I just, um, I don't think so. I don't, I don't, don't think, I, don't I don't think so. Don't let me interrupt you. I think the Thailand Society, the more we, the more we learned about it, the worse it was. But even wow. from the very beginning when they, when they, uh, uh, make Patrick Troughton change his face and sends him to exile on Earth, uh, and then make him sort of their pawn for a while, and then in The Deadly Assassin. And wipe Zoe and, and Jamie's minds. Right, that's right, which is probably where the doctor got the idea. They were doing ironic punishments. J- Jason. Snell was the real monster the whole time. Now I understand why my picks were allowed because he was planning this. <laughs> no, the whole this is. Time. I mean, I, I don't see how. I mean, whether I pick, I thought about picking Rassilon uh, or or Time Lords Society in general. Um, but mm-hmm. I think the Time Lords are at the core of this is that the Doctor wants to flee them, and because they suck. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, a genocidal maniac wants to flee his own people. Well, <laughs> well, geez, the that Doctor, really the Doctor though. also available as a choice. Nobody picked the truest monster of them all, the Doctor. <laughs> I I I was I was worried that Liz would have like apparated mm-hmm. from Scotland and murdered me. So I just I, I feel like whenever we see the Time Lords, uh, whether it is um, whether they are uh, trumping up charges on the Doctor and putting him on trial, uh, whether whether they are are interfering uh, with the Celestial Intervention Agency in the lives of others, uh, or whether they are uh, pursuing the Time War. Not all Time Lords are bad, but I think Time Lord society is corrupt and awful and that's why the doctor flees it at every opportunity and therefore i say the true truest monsters of all of doctor who are the doctor's own people which is why he doesn't want to be around or she doesn't want to be around them anymore ever i i i can kind of see i mean they're interventionist when it is when they believe it convenient to them to be interventionist they're isolationist when they when it is convenient to them to be isolationist they are kind of a selfish people. They're awful. They're awful, is what Just I'm saying. Just like every other civilization mm. ever created. Okay. That's my counterpoint and, to my counterpoint. And, and therefore, Liz, I think we can agree that we are all the true monsters. And with that, we have reached <laughs> the end of the monster draft. I would like to go around one last time to hear what didn't you get to pick that you had on your list that you wish you could have picked. Kelly, what's left? Um, I had the Ice Warriors. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I like, because I did like the old ones, and I liked uh, the 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 brief moment we got of them in the new series. Um, I had the Gelf because they came out of like lamps and freaked me out mm-hmm. in that episode, um, which is a fun episode because also Charles Dickens. Um, I also liked the uh, the Pyroviles because I just thought they were uh, a, an interesting creature. Um, from Pompeii with that that guy who looked really familiar that was mm. in that episode, um, <laughs> and then also, <laughs> um, and then the one I, I just assumed somebody was going to pick, um, and and I can't really pick it for any sort of aesthetic reason is time itself because that always seems to be what we're up against, uh, no matter who, no matter like what what season it is, what doctor it is who the companions are, who, what the alien is we're currently fighting. Like it always seems to be time that we're, that, that is actually um, the thing that's being fought in like every episode. Erica, what did you have left? 
Um, I had a few. I had uh, the Vord from the Keys of Marinus. Ooh. Yeah, who have like this big, like I thought, very cool looking black kind of bodysuit with like rubber like swim fins at the bottom. They're also uh, telepathic, which is cool. I did, of course, have the Shrivenzal from the Rebus operation <laughs> because oh. as a child, has Lear's knife. I have none. Um, I, I I was genuinely scared of the Shrivenzal when I was a kid. Like as a child, I thought that that monster looked very real. And to be fair, the suit itself did almost suffocate one of the men inside of it. So pretty monstrous, like for mm. real. Um, I had the Nymon from the Horns of Nymon oh boy. because I love a good Minotaur and they were just kind of hilarious. And, you know, a parasitic race of like giant bulky minotaur creatures yeah who doesn't love that uh i also had the mandrills from nightmare of eaton who uh, looked like big like disco 70s hairy monster things with like they were just very strange looking and people hate them and i think that's not fair because they're just different also uh when you kill them just right they turn into actual drugs uh lethal drugs um but you know what a what a what a (laughs) What a way to sort of defend yourself. If if lots of people kill you, uh, you they will become addicted to you and they will also die. So it's like, you know, posthumous, uh, posthumous revenge, mm. I guess. Um, I had the polyphase Avatron from the pirate planet, which is this adorable little... I mean, maybe it's not really a monster because it's just doing what it's told, but it's like a mechanical parrot that the, uh, the, the pirate captain of this this traveling planet has on his shoulder and the reason i think it's a monster is because it attacks canine and i love canine mm. and oh. anybody or anything that attacks canine <laughs> is a monster um, unacceptable is, I is will a monster canine with my life I'm with you. yeah that's that's not okay actually come to think of it i feel like i feel like a good portion of the production team during that era is also monstrous because <laughs> uh like i'm looking at you andrew smith um <laughs> like <laughs> having poor canine attacked and having his head busted off and running into the water and all of these bad things that happened to canine yeah you guys are monsters too um and uh last but not least an actual uh serious pick for me is is doctor who gatekeepers and that are the <laughs> quite often the, the doctor who fans here. almost entirely uh white and middle-aged who uh male, immediately male i've heard they are too well, yeah. you know what not entirely what? Uh, I, yeah. I like to try and break the stereotype a little bit that's why i do it the kind of person who when you mention you like doctor who immediately says oh yeah can you name all of the doctors what planet are the daleks from and just go into quiz mode and scoff especially if you happen to be uh younger or female and uh and yeah those those people are monsters are, are Definitely monsters. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. All right. Excellent. Gene, do you have any leftovers? Every time I look at my list, I have one and then it disappears from my mind. Uh, and I, oh. I have all these black magic marker things on my hand. I don't know what it means. <gasps> uh, <laughs> the silence was on my list at the top. Tw- not the top. Number two, three kept moving around. And I swear I wasn't touching it. But, um, it, you know, because... It's just damn scary. And I know it's close to being like everybody gets the silence because at least for new who fans that is what a is great design. What a great, great design. design. Great, mm-hmm. great concept and, and many good episodes. Um, I had the Zygons. Um, I just like them. Um, I had the Slith- Slitheen. Um, and the, and Azorbaloff was actually on my list. Process, so. 
because uh, I can't think of a fate worse than that fate. <laughs> the monster designed by a school child. Yes. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. You won a yeah. contest. Yeah. Again, again, reinforcing my second pick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I put, I have the mummy from mummy on the Orient Express. Very Ooh. scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, oh, the headless monks made me very scared. Empress of the Rachnus. I thought Kelly was going there at first. Um, oh yeah. Scary spiders. And, uh, uh, and the monks, the, the the Peter Capaldi monks, just because they were so good at uh, um, PR and propaganda. And it scared – it really scared me because I was like, oh, yeah, it's really funny when Doctor Who does it. But when you turn on your nightly news, mm-hmm. you see the same thing kind of. So those, those are some of the ones I would have been happy to chit-chat about for a long time. All right, Liz, what did you have that you didn't get a chance to pick? Uh, mine would have been a new one. Like uh, Erica, I do appreciate a giant space minotaur. Uh, the Haemovore, who are future uh, transformed human vampires who've come back in time and can be to kill, well, held back by your faith and whatever. Candyman, who's a giant Berti Bassett. <laughs> I don't know what the American equivalent of giant Berti Bassett is. There well, isn't that's one. a great answer. That, well, that was a cheese it's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, hilarious. Um, the other 60s doodas, War Machines, Crotons, Mechanoids, which I already mentioned. The Monoptra, delightful. <gasps> yes. Excellent cosplay at Galley as well. Of course, the Macra. Of course. People who ruined it for me. Who are, you know, <laughs> they don't exist. Classic, ser- classic series Macra, not new series Macra, mm. not ridiculously sized giant crabs, moderately giant crabs. Uh, the fish <laughs> people from the Underwater Menace, which, um, you know, they're they're good, but they are monstrous. They're people who are fish. Um, hence the name. Huh. And finally, and the one that was competing it with uh, the quarks and the macra for my third choice was the ogre from Tom oh. Baker's The Stones of Blood. Which How did I forget genuinely them? terrified me when I was a kid. Uh, for they are stones that can follow you around. And then if you touch them, they will suck up all your blood. And there was a gorgeous cosplay of this at Gallifrey to the point that it also made the noise, sort of a low rumble noise that these stones made. And I was too scared to like poke at the cosplay at all, which you could do, um, because oh, just in case, just in case. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are my thoughts. <laughs> all right. Annette, what did you have left? Uh, Gene actually brought out some of my dead for me, the Zygons, the Mummy and the Silence. But I'm also going to add... The Pating, because I would like that as a stuffy. Yay! It's yes. adorable. I like the Jadone, because they, they chant. That bo, chanting bo, is amusing bo, bo, to me. Bo, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the, the living dolls in Night Terrors, because <gasps> yes. dolls are always yes. scary. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And the Raston Warrior Robot from The Five Daughters. <laughs> Yay! Classic. Because it's so... It has the best moves. It's just so... Mm-hmm. I fell in love the first time mm-hmm. and the only time I've seen it. That's but the I only time it. we've all seen it. Yes. <laughs> You'll see it again. Don't worry. Mm. <laughs> um, okay, Moises, did you have anything left or were you I mean, just... I mean, just about all of it. I mean, some of it, the empty child and the peg. Yeah, like the peg that was on my list. Felt, they both mm-hmm. felt a little bit too close to my my gigantic umbrella British school children thing. Mm-hmm. Um, at least, you know, uh, associates of the evil British school children. Um, the, the one that I'm pretty sure nobody mentioned that's it's also new who because i'm still working my way back uh, into uh, uh getting 
through the gates uh, put up by the gatekeepers, uh, <laughs> getting properly educated, um, is the flood. I think I think the yeah. flood uh, are are one of the are one of the coolest um, conceptions of uh, of of a monstrous thing in New Who. Um, but yeah, the silence and, uh, Satan was in there. Thatcher was actually on the list, uh, because <laughs> any, any opportunity to talk about the horrible, terrible things that Margaret Thatcher did, uh, to British society, um, is, is, is what I consider a great opportunity. And yeah, uh, the weeping angels I had written on the side of my list of, there's no way that I'm going to get this one. Uh, but you know, for the sake of, it. uh, I also had, uh, the empty child and the flood. I enjoy the, uh, the flood is a that's a good monster. The waters of Mars. That's a creepy, you know, base under siege uh, zombie takes over your body kind of thing. It's good. It's good. Uh, the ones that I haven't been mentioned that I wanted to name. So I'm going to call them the flatliners from the episode Flatline uh, because they're yeah. the weird like one dimensional or two dimensional race that uh, is referred to it by the people who make the show as the boneless. Um, that's a that's a dumb name. I'm not going to yes, use that name. They're the flatliners, as far as I'm concerned, and they're super creepy. And they crush uh-huh. you into a flat two dimensional representation of yourself, and you die. It's terrible. And they're creepy, and and I like that one a lot. And that's a great episode. Um, Sutek uh, reigns supreme. Oh! Got to have Sutek in there. <laughs> Gabriel mm-hmm. Wolf again with a creepy voice that he would bring back. It is in good. The Satan Pit. Uh, uh, I put the uh, Collins because mm-hmm. the thing about the Collins is that they are yeah they're basically Nazis, and uh, they they from that world comes davros and come the daleks but uh but uh, i feel like they are very bad all on their own they're a terrible monster of of uh, of a people uh, the <gasps> autons i wanted to mention i think it's fun mm. i think there is nothing more creepy than having uh mannequins uh, start to walk and mm. uh oh geez yes and try to kill you um and mm. that goes for uh spearhead from space all the way through and uh all the Daffodils. way up to rose yeah mm-hmm. the sure Dallas. plastic it's dangerous. I didn't say giant clams. I've destroyed my personal brand. You have. Oh, <laughs> um, and uh, finally, I had uh, I had uh, a Scaroth and the rest of the Jaggeroth because I love oh, when Julian Go- Glover takes off his his Mission Impossible mask and there's this super weird green one eyed monstery thing underneath. And as a as a kid who discovered Doctor Who, that always gave me a kick. I, I enjoyed that. And um, and now uh, I was going to say that. Um, that everyone else gets the Daleks, but instead the ghost of Stephen Shapansky, who could not be with us today because he is sick, uh, but he has been following along in our chat room the entire time. Stephen officially is granted his one pick, which is the Daleks. Because, of course, if it wasn't for them, the BBC uh, wouldn't have tried so hard and mostly failed to replicate their success over the next 55 plus years of Doctor Who monsters. Wow, that's that's far better than the joke I had about how I should have chosen corridors. <laughs> Quarries was also left on the board. Quarries and the oh, things that live in them. Bases under siege. Yes, but Stephen oh. Shapansky, you win. You get the Daleks all to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, speaking of Daleks and corridors, the Dalek City had some of the best corridors because of the shapes of the Daleks. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and with that, we are done with the Doctor Who monster draft. We've picked some monsters uh, and that's good. That's all good. Uh, and now it is time for me to say goodbye to my panelists who pick monsters who are not monsters. That's the twist is that it turns out our panelists are not monsters <laughs> a- after all. Kelly Gamont, <laughs> thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Erica Ensign, thank you. It was monstrously good fun. Oh, Jean McDonald, <laughs> thank you. Thanks again. It was real fun hanging out with you all. Liz Miles, I I was torn when I said we weren't monsters after all, because I'm not sure about you. <laughs> That's so cruel. You, you hurt my 
tiny, tiny heart. I'm sorry. See, I take it back now. See what you did to me? How monstrous of you. Uh, How monstrous of you. Yeah, that's true. Well, we're all monsters. I guess we're all monsters after all. Annette Weirstra, thank you. I survived my first draft. Yay, hooray. Congratulations. Moises Chuyon, uh, thank you for your uh, fascinating picks. I, if you see a Doctor Who showrunner or a British school child cross to the other side of the street, yeah. that's all I'm saying. I think you might be right. Lee. I think you might be You're right. You're not wrong. And I have been your host, Jason Snell. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. We will see you next time. 